The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Balls and Strikes podcast is brought to you by Elkhorn Training Camp. Let's have some fun and play ball. Here's your host, Tom Oldham. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Balls and Strikes podcast. This is your host, Tom Oldham, and I am joined today by two fellow coaches, um, John Oltman and Alex Hale. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Good. What's going on? Not a whole lot. So we are jumping into another topic for our youth training our youth baseball training sessions so these these episodes are really geared toward youth coaches high school coaches um, travel ball coaches and we're going to start to deep dive some individual topics and the topic that we're going to talk about today is really establishing team standards so as you're starting out it may be a new squad of players that you have maybe a new team Um, how you approach that, how you think about creating team rules or team standards or principles. Um, And and why don't we start there? What do you, what do you guys call them? Do you call them standards, principles, rules? What do you, what do you look for when you have a new team and establishing a a culture? Well, for us, we have like core values that we kind of base everything that we do on. So uh, my coach at La Vista South and our, our mascots, the Titans. So, Titans is an acronym for us, team first, integrity, trust, um, accountability, no quit, and self-care. And so everything that we do is based on those um, six core values. And so, you know, whether it's discipline, um, really anything, we always try to relate back to those things. And then aside from that, we have team expectations. So that's where we get, like, you know, you have to have certain grades in order to participate, um, showing up on time, those sort of things. So the core values kind of guide everything that we do. And then the expectations are a little bit more specific and team-based based on, um, you know, what we kind of believe in. That's awesome. I like that. I like the self-care. Yeah, we, uh, well, I mean, that, and actually how we came up with those was we had the team, we had the team come up with them probably four or five years ago where we just said, hey, everyone put, put something up on the wall. What do you think? What is it? What do you think it means to be a Titan baseball player? And they just put sticky notes up there. And then we kind of uh, whittled it down to these six, um, core values that we really try to believe in and and use to um, guide everything that we do. Well, that's great. So that's specific to the baseball team, not necessarily the school. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just kind team. of our thing. Um, and you know, so run run through those again. What what were they for Titans? So team first. So T team first. I integrity. Um, second T would be trust. A accountability. N no quit. And then S is self care. And uh, and we try to really define what those things are um, for the kids. That way they know exactly what it means and how we can apply it um, on the baseball field, in the school, um, and and in the community. Because, you know, once you're a Titan baseball player, you're always a Titan baseball player no matter where you're at. And so you really have to, or we really truly believe that we need to let those those six things kind of guide us throughout our entire life. That's great. I didn't realize that. Try to top that, Alex. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> I don't have an acronym. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, <laughs> our culture going into, I think each coach has their culture, 
Um, especially kind of in the travel ball, you kind of get your, you can kind of give your team an identity based on how you run it. Um, I, I've always said you can, if you start kind of start firm, you can get easier on them later. And so from the get go, I'm a little more serious than I will be. Um, but I think about a third of the way into the season, pretty much everything I say is either a movie quote or kind of joking, um, because they know the standard going in. But when we start off, it's, you know, no nonsense, the expectation for everybody is you are going to hustle a certain way. You are going to put this amount of effort. You will not show, you know, your emotion as far as body language, being negative, throwing equipment, and you set the standard there and are just unbending as far as how we enforce that. And so from there, they fall in line real quick. I think kids and players and I think people in general, once you know the boundaries, you can play within those really easily. But it's when you don't know, okay, what's off limits? Like, he can throw a helmet, but I can't throw a helmet. He can walk on the field, but I'm supposed to sprint on. That gets really confusing. And so when it's the standard and when you enforce it, we have, we have a thing where if, we, if anybody starts to come off the field early, like if the team starts to run off the field early because they don't know how many outs there are, the center fielder, shortstop, and catcher all get pulled, no matter what. So that's unwavering. And so that when you do that one time, and, you, and you're in a game where it, you know, it matters, it's late in the game, and all of a sudden our catcher, shortstop, and center fielder are out of the game, it's like, oh, he's not kidding. And so keeping that accountability where that's more of a communication thing as far as just letting everybody know how many outs there are. But it's simple, but it gets kids out of that, oh, you know, the coach's job is to let us know how many outs there are. It's like, well, no. Center field lets the outfielders know. Shortstop makes sure the infield and the outfield know. And catcher makes sure everybody knows. And so it just keeps those lines of communication open because once you start communicating – Everything gets easier. But when you stop communicating, all kinds of stuff starts to happen. And so we try to create that culture of like, we're going to talk a lot. We're going to, because then we can start using, then you can start using um, verbal cues. You can start using signals that are, that are verbal. But if you're not talking the whole game and all of a sudden you go, all right, hey, what do you say, kid? You know, or you give, use a name or whatever. Then they go, wait, who's, they just said something out of nowhere. And coaches pick that up, especially baseball people. And so creating that, that standard of your culture of how we're going to do things, especially coming from a bunch of programs like high school, you come, all these kids come from these different programs and we have kids sometimes coming from 15 different high schools. So it's like, well, this is how our high school does it. And it's like, that's great. Here's how we do it. And a lot of times it's the same way. Sometimes it's different. Definitely how we practice is surprising, I think. And so that our standard of effort at practice is very high. And so guys come in like, you know, and it's in the summer too, so it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be 100 degrees. We're practicing in the middle of the day. We're taking two hours of ground balls, fly balls, turn double plays, and then we're done. And so it's not, hey, hit BP, hit the, you know, we're going to just jog around and do this, whatever. It's like, no, no, we're going to do this because this is what we need to work on. You guys have hitting before that. And, um, it, it makes it easier to enforce your, your cultural things when they know what the boundaries are, I think. And so – that's so, the big thing, I guess. So, Alex, do you guys do you write down your your standards for for players? I remember, and the reason I'm asking this, I vividly remember stepping onto Creighton's campus in the first, I would say, week. Maybe it was even a little bit more. We sat down almost classroom style and kind of went through the standards. And here's what the expectations are. Here's what it means to be a Blue Jay. Um, all of that. I'm assuming it's a little bit different in this is kind of an interesting backdrop where John, you're, you're really coaching at a high school and Alex, you're, you're coaching a travel ball team. Is there a different delivery in that? Like do players in your travel ball team learn by more just 
being around it? Or is there a concerted effort to say, no, you're now on this team. You need to first understand these, these standards. How do you go about that? Well, so there's a kind of a hierarchy when you come, when it comes to travel ball and where in a high school setting, you'll kind of, you'll have your starter and you'll have, you know, this kind of kind of the alpha, whether it's at school or whether it's on the team for our guys, we get a lot of alphas. And so they all start to figure out where they fall by watching each other and observing. And so it's pretty interesting. You can send everybody out into the field beginning of the first practice and you'll have five or six guys go to short. You give it an hour and a half, all of a sudden short's only one or two guys. And they'll do that on their own. And so they'll kind of filter to other, because they'll see who the top guys are. And so parents are like, well, why isn't my kid playing short? I go, this is what happens at practice. This is who the top guys are right now. Other guys can take those spots, but right now you can even see the players even see it. So it's a little different. And you have, we have guys, you know, most of our guys will start committing by around sophomore year. And that kind of works into play too, because then there's the same things you have in a high school team. You have jealousy, animosity, you know, people get, they start to compare and, you know, well, he's doing this and he's doing this. And it's like, that's the thief of joy, man. You got to really focus on what is your journey. Cause you might be developing later. You might be looking to do something different. Some kids want to stay closer to home. Some kids want to go farther away. Some kid, you know, some school might need something different. And I think with a high school team they're they all come from the same school. They're all kind of in the same, they know what's going on. And I like the travel aspect a little bit more because there's that unknown. They don't know about as much about each other off the field. So when they get there, everything kind of gets checked at the door. And it's like, what can you do here? Because we don't know what you did before. We don't care what you did, what you do after. It's like, we don't know your, you know, most of the guys don't know each other's girlfriends. They don't know each other, you know, other groups of friends. And so the baseball itself kind of def- divides up the, the hierarchy. So it's really mm-hmm. interesting to watch because it doesn't matter who the cool kid is anymore. It doesn't matter who's, you know, who's the fun guy. It doesn't matter who all, everybody likes or who the teachers like or whatever. It's right. All right. Who's, who's our three hitter? Because on our team, our three hitter doesn't share playing time. He's going to hit third every game. Our three and four hitters are going to be in the lineup every time. So if you want that spot, you have to take it from those guys. And so I think there's no there, – plus there's, we only have one age group too. I mean, they're going to have three, four years difference. And so you're going to have guys who your best player might be a sophomore. Where does he fall in the leadership, you know, in the leadership ranking as far as who's going to listen to him? Whereas on our team, everybody's going to be the same age. So that's my question. How do you guys handle that with the different ages? Well, it's actually interesting because your, like, your experience is actually the same as what our experience at the younger levels. Because So we have a high school, we'll have, a, we'll have all the freshmen come in. And it's kind of the same thing where they're coming from all these different youth organizations. And you know some of them played together, but not all of them. And so I can't tell you how many times we've had kids that come in and they're like, they're the three-old hitter on their travel team, you know, as a 14-year-old, and then they get to high school, and now there's, you know, all these other travel organizations. And so it's kind of the same thing where they, they start to weed themselves out, and they don't really understand maybe why they aren't playing where they want to play. Um, but it's like, hey, we got all these other kids now that are here. And so um, one thing that we try to do is explain to them, you know, during the off season you know, what are coaches evaluating? What are we looking for? What does it take for you to get on the field? How do you make yourself more marketable so that way you can make a team? Um, we talk a lot about, and one, and we talk a lot about our core values too, just that way they understand, is this baseball program a good fit for you? I think that's something that is sometimes overlooked. Um, our standards and our culture is not going to change based on you, you know, based on the athlete. It's the other way around. So, 
are you willing to make the sacrifices or meet our expectations? And if you're not, as talented as you may be, and as difficult as that is as a coach, hey, maybe maybe you need to go find somewhere else to play. Uh, but we try to really hammer that, you know, pre-tryout, what does that look like? So that way they kind of know going in, hey, this is what I'm getting myself into, and I better be ready for it because we're not going to change, you know, based on what the athlete likes. So. Yeah, and it's interesting because you guys are talking about really more at the high school level and, you know, this next year I'm coaching Keaton's team and he's he's he just turned nine, so he's going to be nine you next year. So uh, this is really a lot of these guys we're playing through Omaha, Omaha Suburban. So a lot of them, it's their first time really in select ball. So we, we have five team rules and it's it's something that we're going to be reinforcing consistently we already have started doing this through the through the winter and everything but this is really their first some of these guys their first team setting um so it's it's really establishing hey when you get together it's not just goof off time it's time to get better to to pay attention those sorts of things so i'll rattle off my five it's not an acronym i'm sorry john uh first one is always be ready so focus on how you prepare for practices and games. Uh, the second is always be learning uh, when you play well and when you don't. Uh, the third is always be hustling uh, on the field and off the field. Number four is always be respectful. Uh, be respectful to the game, to your coaches, to your parents, and to your teammates. And then number five, always be there for, for your teammates. So we're trying to – we purposely put always be at the beginning, you know, for these guys to remember – you know, be ready, be learning, be hustling, be respectful, be there for your teammates, um, those, those sorts of things. So if, if you're talking directly to a youth coach and, you know, a lot of, a lot of coaches are, are, are dads and, and volunteer guys, maybe they played sports growing up, maybe they didn't. Um, what would you say to them in terms of how to, how to get this to resonate? Is it a classroom style? Is it just, reinforcing it at practice is it a little bit of both um what are, what are what's your advice for them i would say it's a little bit of both um you because well for one thing a youth coach might not have a classroom environment available to them and that and that's totally fine I don't, I don't even know if it really matters necessarily what your core values are i mean it's yours are great tom compared to ours i mean they're fine um i think it's more about having a philosophy and having an identity that you want and then you know, teaching that and reinforcing it and reviewing it constantly. Because if you can just, if you have something that you can fall back on and say, this is how we're going to do it. And then you are constantly making your kids or holding them accountable to that standard, then you'll be fine. And I just think that that's, that's probably the number one thing is you need to have something that you believe in and then make sure it fits your team. And then as long as you're constantly reviewing it, then your kids will, will rise to that standard. Well, let me, let me ask it a different way. So is it apparent when you have guys entering into high school or joining a travel team and they have come from a program that does not have standards? Yes. Sorry, that was really quick. Yes. Um, no. Because, <clears throat> because it's the way they carry themselves, it's the way they, their attitude when they get there. Um, I can watch yep. 150 kids try out and I can tell you, with a very reasonable amount of certainty, the 50 kids who have a shot at making the team by how they walk into the park, how they set their stuff down, and how they play catch. After that, I'll take my, my chances getting those, my 25 guys or 20 guys out of those 50 that I think beforehand. Now, 
you can obviously work your way back into that conversation. But if you don't play catch well, if you don't, you're not paying attention to every little thing you do, and you don't think that everything matters, that means somebody hasn't been like on you or watching you or demanding you to be better all the time. And a lot of times that's because you're comfortable being on this team, because you played with your friends, because you, you know, there was no reason to not, you know, have to work hard because you were going to be on the lineup the next day anyway. When you take that away, for some guys who've been in more competitive situations, they you can see it right away. Or you see guys who have put in the work to, whether it's, it doesn't matter what team they're on, but if they put in work to make that team, they don't take it for granted. It's like with high school kids and um, they're talking about like their integrity and like doing the right things off the field. It's if you have more to lose, you're going to leave that party when it gets, when it's time to leave. You're not going to yep. put yourself in those situations because it matters more to you because you've already sacrificed more. Now all of a sudden you have more of a reason to get out of there. If you've always just kind of shown up and played, well, you're going to show up and play at the party too, man. You're going to have a good time. And then when, you know, it gets popped and you get an MIP or you get, you know, something worse, it's like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Well, that, cause that wasn't going through your head. Like you have to make sure that what you're doing matters. Um, and if I guess for our core values, it's one is everything matters. And so our guys know that if they ever say, who cares, I stop them in their tracks. And I'm like, well, if, if, if you don't think anybody cares, then that's the bigger problem. So we got to talk about that. And it's kind of a, yep. it's kind of a joke, but it's not because they're like, oh man. Okay. Like they get it. It's like, we're going to talk, we're going to talk about this to make sure you understand that one, I'm paying attention to, I care. And three, like, that's not okay because you're, you're doing it as a defense mechanism, something else. So getting around that's like our, our cultures would be everything matters. And then um, efforts, non-negotiable and keep your dignity. We always say keep your dignity. Cause we see, we'll see some cats that throw pretty hard, have some pretty nasty stuff. And I'm like, when you guys are at the plate, man, even if he makes you look bad, keep your dignity. Cause mm-hmm. whether it's that, whether it's making a, you kick a ball, keep your dignity because you don't have to let that body language show. You don't have to let that out. Like it's tougher to be nice to yourself, but I tell my guys all the time. I'm like, if you want to be hard on yourself, don't hit your glove. Don't, you know, get frustrated and yell. And all stuff. I go, be nicer to yourself in those moments because that is harder to do and that will serve you better going forward. So I don't know. That's just my two cents on the whole thing, but it's that's great advice. It's just kind of how we handle things from a mental aspect. Cause when we get our high school kids, one high school is awesome because they go to you guys and they go, Oh, I am not the starting guy at this position. I'm not starting. when we get them by their sophomore, junior year, it's, but I'm starting at my school and I'm like, yeah, so are the other five guys here at your spot. So right. this guy's actually going to be the number one. He's a number two. You're actually going to go to second base if you're the shortstop. Like, you know, and guys have to either accept that or go on one. Of, like, that's why in the summer we'll have two teams because sometimes you have six shortstops. Well, if you want them to get yep. time, you can't share it, you know, evenly because it won't ever be even. It's not designed to be that way. But we're going to try to get you looks. But at the same time, we're going to go with our guy because as much as people don't think travel ball is about winning – if I get to bracket play, I'm playing in front of more coaches. If I get to the championship games, there's more eyes on us. If we are higher ranked, we get invited to more turn- better tournaments. And that's how we've built our program. So we bunt. We hit and run. We run bunt defense. We drive teams nuts because we play baseball to win. And we box steal and do all these kinds of things, first and thirds. Like, we have all our stuff in. So when guys, come, when it comes down to it, they know how to play the game. And then they can drop in each team and play. But when you take a kid from a competitive, who's been in a competitive environment 
they're more aware and they know what's going on. I'm sure you guys see it. You guys have to see it with all the guys coming into high schools. Like, and it's probably a bigger range because they see a broader group of, of talent. They see a broader group of, of player. Um, how do you guys sort yeah. through that in the beginning and educate parents on what to expect? Well, I mean, just like you said, you can tell by how they walk in and how they play catch. I mean, if I had, I could have the kids warm up and they could play catch, and then we could do something as simple as a four-corner drill, and I could probably give you 90% of who would make the team just based on how they carry themselves and who can just do the basics. Um, and then the rest of it, sometimes it's really difficult. Sometimes it's really hard, especially like at those younger levels when we have never seen the kids and they get four days and sometimes you're stuck inside. Um, sometimes it's really hard to know who is those last two or three. And we try to do the best that we can. And, you know, sometimes we make mistakes and it, that's happened and that's, and that's that. And we always tell them they got another shot to make it in the summer. And, and sometimes they do. We actually have some really crazy stories of kids who've gotten cut in the spring and they come back in the summer. Um, and that's actually, and that's really cool because we can use that as an example of, hey, you know, we yeah. cut a kid and we've had, I can name three or four guys who they didn't make it, but they worked their tail off in the spring and then they made it in the summer. Um, but I think it's pretty similar to what you guys do where we just, we look and see, um, can you play catch? How do you carry yourself? Do you know how to dress? Like just, do you know how to wear your baseball pants? Things like that. Um, and then for some of those, it's like, hey, we'll go to our teachers. I've had several times where, it's down to a couple kids, and I'll just send an email to all their teachers. And sometimes kids get good feedback, and sometimes kids don't. And the ones that get great feedback, they're the ones that are making the team. And, uh, you know, because it's just like what you said, I, I truly believe that the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So if they're handling themselves in the classroom, if they're handling themselves, handling themselves in the community, then they'll handle themselves on the baseball field. I think no, this is great. I think of a oh, good go ahead, story this, this fall we have, and he actually goes to your school. He's our three-hitter. And he's a three-hitter and our like starting pitcher and plays center field. Foul ball gets hit. He takes off after it. He's starting that game. He's actually pitching. It's like the third inning. And I look at the dugout, and there's like six guys just standing there. And I was like, that's what you're doing wrong. And I looked at all of them, and they're like, what, what, what? I go, why is my starting pitcher, one, why are you letting him do it? Two, why, how did he beat you to the ball? And I was like, and three, this is your wake-up call. Like, if that ever happens again, like, you guys are going to be sorry because – this is part of educating you on the expectations of not only high school baseball, but playing for us. And it's no secret because we'll move guys up and down in the fall. I'll have three teams and we'll move them up and down. And it's always a wake up call for those guys who get moved up. They're like, Oh man, it just goes up another level and then up another level. And it's because it's not that they won't get there, but there's expectations and standards that they have to start getting to. And as they learn to fall in line with that, you just, you just don't get to relax. You relax when the game's over. You relax when you leave. You don't get to relax while you're there. And if you're constantly gravitating towards that, oh, I just want to just chill and relax. Well, you need to figure out when and where you're going to do that because at the field, it's not that place. And so I think, one, you're really going to like that kid. But, um, two, it's, it's tough for kids going to that high school level, man, when they're just trying to figure things out. I think one thing that we, no, really, I- that we really have to keep in mind is – especially for youth coaches, since this is youth coach focused, you know, our expectations at the high school level might be different than the expectations for youth coaches. And I think that's fine. Um, You said like every year it's a level up. So if you can start to come up with maybe at nine years old, it's just those five very simple things like always be hustling. And you just define what that means. And then maybe at 10, we add a little bit more. And then at 11, we add a little bit more, you know, and now we're talking about chasing foul balls and, you know, how to be a good teammate. 
And I think if you just you can start to slowly introduce that stuff, um, they'll be better served when they get to the high school level. Um, but I, cause I, I do think part of it, and they're going to have that experience, right? Right. They're going to have that experience. You know what I mean? In terms of being in a team setting, uh, seeing the foul ball that nobody goes after or having a, a dead environment in the dugout, you, you know, those sorts of experiences you learn over the years. And, and ultimately it's the coach's job to make sure that those moments are not, um, you know, that they don't come and go. Like you have to be always, as a coach, you always have to be aware of, okay, what is a teachable moment? How can I use this to better the players? Um, so any, any final thoughts for, for the coaches on establishing team standards? Um, I think it's something that's really easy to understand and simple to talk about. It's really hard to do. Um, I always talk to players all the time. It's like, you showed up late. You think I want to make you run like as a coach. I know that's, I know you probably think that I do, but I don't. Like, it's really hard as coaches even to hold people accountable, I think. Um, and we talk about that all the time. But understanding that, hey, this is our standard. This is what we believe in. And so this is what we have to do. And I think um, just even at the youth level, like, we don't – you know, I think there's that show on Netflix. It's like Little Tykes Football. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where it's like these eight-year-olds in Texas, and the coaches are just absolutely belittling them and yelling and screaming, and they're running like it's the Marines. And it's – it's crazy. And so I think, you know, understand like the balance between knowing when to get on them, when not to understand that they're eight, you're, they're eight to 10 or 12 and like their goals might be different than yours and that's okay. Um, but if yep. you can just start to slowly introduce some standards and accountability and understand the team concept, they'll be really well served at the high school level and beyond. Yeah. My first, my first what, seven years were youth was youth baseball and it was so much fun because of the psychology involved and understanding how big of an impact you have on a kid at the plate and a kid who's on the mound. And when they play catch, because they're looking to you way more than as guidance, like you're their guide through their whole, this whole process. Um, One thing for our sevens and eights that I had, and a lot of those, those guys are seniors now, which is crazy. But I had some of them when they were six, seven and eight and they were, our big thing was always being positive. Because what we would see is guy takes first pitch or swing, either takes it or swings, doesn't matter. Coach yells at him. Next pitch, right in the middle, he takes it. Or he does the opposite of what he did before. Coach yells again. Well, now he's in, the, now he's in like a, we call it red light mode, where it's like he's seeing the red. He wants to get out of that situation. He's in fight or flight. And whatever gets him out of the situation is going to be what he does. If the ball's off, off the plate, he's going to swing and get to the dugout. If the ball's right on the middle, he's going to take it and get back to the dugout. Because now he's panicking. And Parents, especially dads, sometimes when it's their kid up there, don't realize, like, you're getting them in a heightened sense of, like, anxiety and stress. Like, you just got to let it play out, man. Your kid's going to get out. He's going to make errors. It's all part of the game. And when you, the sooner you can understand that and be positive with them, and then you can be tough on things like not throwing your helmet, you know, uh, hustling and off the field. Like, those are the things, picking up your teammates. Those are the things you can really enforce because those are controllable. The stuff that happens in the game is not controllable. You got to play Go to catch as you can, really emphasize like proper throwing and catch mechanics for that age, and then teach them how to move. Teach them how to like move their bodies different ways. Play wiffle ball for situations. Do things that are fun, because that's what's going to make it enjoyable, not only for them, but for you. Because if you're not having fun, I guarantee they're not having fun. And so you Absolutely. really want to like hammer those things home and make it a fun experience. If you're the coach yelling all the time, you're not enjoying yourself, they're not enjoying themselves. Absolutely. And you, you got to understand when 
you need to be teaching and when you need to just be sitting there and, and not saying anything and, and being quiet. So, so coaches, I hope this has helped um, give you a little bit of understanding in terms of how to establish team standards, some different things that, uh, you know, coach Oltman and coach Hale look for. And I've heard John say this before, a lot of relationship issues actually come from unmet expectations. Uh, so establishing these beforehand can save a lot of time and frustration later on. Uh, if you have any questions on how to create team standards or um, want to learn more from us, don't uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us and we'll be happy to help you. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Balls and Strikes podcast. Thanks, guys. Media Production.